Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, my brother Ali? Five Diggy Tribe Core Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles Peter Ghost. This is Absol. This is KO. And you listening to the Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong, yeah. Welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. This is your boy Chetto, host and founder of the Come Up Show. Today's guest is Classified. I caught up with him this past All-Star weekend. He was performing in the Phoenix Concert Theater for his 15th album, A Grateful. Let's get into it. I have the homie Classified here, man. Yeah. Album number 15. Grateful. Yeah. Uh, do you think? Do you think about that at, at all? Like, yo, this is album oh, number fifteen. Like, like not a lot of people. You said that. I do, I'm yeah. actually think it's like sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. It's weird. Different no, interviews. Some people are like, hey, it's the sixteenth, fifteenth. You know, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It. I, I don't think about it that much. I guess, but it never hits you. Oh really? Like one time you might might not just be like you know smoking a joint and like yo this is my fifteenth album man. Uh, no. Not really. More so time-wise, I think. Time. Just because albums, like, I can break them down to, like, Boycott the Industry. Okay, I was living there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Hitchhiking Music. Oh, I was living with that person, and I had the studio there. Like, I kind of break down time-wise like that, but when you say years, it's different because I can't break down, like, 99 unless I reflect back to, like, what album was that? Okay, you know what I mean? So it's... Because no, all, all the albums are, like, a time capsule. There are moments in time. And it, I was pretty much dropping one, like, once... One a year, maybe one every two years on average. So it totally put me of like where I was in life, mm-hmm. who I was hanging with the most, you know, whoever was working on the album with me the most and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, 1995, the first album, that was 20 years ago, Time's, Time's up, up, Kid. I was living in my mom's house in Aldney Drive in Enfield, grade 10. Yeah. Grade 10. Grade 10, a four-track recorder. I remember I went to Halifax and met Joe Run, and he, he had a sampler, first sampler, drum machine, any of that I've ever seen. He made like four beats. I think I bought him for fifty bucks, and wow. and yeah, we recorded in his like little bedroom four track studio. And that was the first album. <laughs> that was the first album. Yeah. And like, do you ever like come across like? Have you heard that? When's the last time you've heard that album, Time oh, to yeah, Love Kid? And what what goes through your mind when you do hear it? It's funny, you know what I mean? Like, you just hear young, you see so much excitement, you hear so much stuff. It's like, why I say that? Why I do that? But at the same time, it, like I said, it just brings you back to memories now. Mm-hmm. Like, you, when, before when I used to listen to it, like maybe 10 years ago, and I'd put it on, I'd almost be like embarrassed. Like, oh, I don't want to hear anyone, don't want people to hear this stuff. But now it's like, it's growth. That's kind of where it started. You know, yeah. a young kid just excited to be like, oh, I can record myself and make some, some songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So everybody's been asking about this because the interview you did with CBC Music where you said, I don't think I'll record another full-length album mm. after this. And you say you say that after single every single album because... I'm sure the, you've the, heard it before. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the process CBC is... CBC made it seem a little bigger than what it was. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it was very random. Then I saw the article. It was like, classified the last album. Like, okay, all right. It wasn't that hardcore, but... No, it's like, I just feel like that after every record. I feel like, okay, I said my piece... And I'm just kind of sick of the studio and just even working on my own stuff. I like to work with other people, producing for other people, doing a lot of that, like I've always been. But I don't know. I don't think I'll do another classified full-length album. I don't think. Maybe it'll be a Luke Boyd album. Maybe it'll be a Me and Mike Boyd album. I don't know. And I'll probably still make my own single 
records and stuff. I'm just, I don't know, just doing the full album thing is kind of, you know. Well, that's what I wanted to know. It takes a lot. Like, I pretty much turn myself off from my family, my kids, everything for like a year and a half. You know what I mean? Like, you're in the studio, you go back and forth, and you're there, you know what I mean? You're there, you go in the house, but then it's like, hey, what do you want for dinner? Oh, yeah, whatever, I'm thinking of something. Like, I'm staring at the wall thinking of, like, a line of how I want to change it, and it when I'm working on my own stuff, like I just don't turn off. When I work with other people, I can turn it off, leave the studio, right back to normal life. So it kind of bugged me a lot with this album, is being home as much as I was, but still not being there, you know what I mean? So I like working with other people. It keeps me more relaxed, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was the question I was going to ask, because you said that the process takes so much out of you. I wanted to know more about that process, and I guess you're saying is even when that I'm at home, I'm physically present. But maybe like mentally, I am not present. When totally. your daughter's like, "Daddy," yeah, you're like, yeah. and you know, once you click in, of like, yeah. "Okay, shit, okay," you get back to it, and you're like, "Okay, I'll yeah. play." But I just hate when I catch myself doing that. Like, "Daddy, look this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what the hell's that line? I can rhyme. Come on. And you're just rhyming words in your fucking head. It's like, okay, my daughter's trying to show me something. Like, and when you catch yourself doing that, it just makes me kind of like. Do I got to keep making these records right now? Like, why do I got to keep making these albums? You know what I mean? So it's always going to make music because I like doing it. I just got to take myself out of that mm-hmm. solo process for a while. Yeah. And, and you said that you like working and collaborating with other people yeah. uh, compared to just working by yourself. What, what is it about other just people? Ideas. Like, when you are the producer, the MC, the engineer, and the recording person, like, you were by this yourself in the studio. So when I work on something for two hours and I start dwelling, like, oh, I like, like this or like that better, you lose that, you know, that just instant of you hear something and you react to it. So it's good to have other people there to bounce ideas. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing is just, especially now where, where you can do so many stuff. You can put this drum be- beat behind a song. You put that drum beat. And I like this because of this, but I like this because of this. What do you think? You know what I mean? It's just good to have that other opinion to kind of mm-hmm. help you get to where you're trying to go. Yeah, and definitely it's much easier to get inspired when you're working with other people. Other people. And it's fun, yeah. you know what I mean? You do something, oh, shit, everyone's happy. You're yeah. by yourself, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully people will like this. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you don't know. So it's, it's a different experience. Mm-hmm. And I've just been by myself for so long that it's like, now that I'm working with more people, I'm just, like, really enjoying doing that. And and you said that like you know maybe for a little bit it might not be another solo full album from me but it might be me Mike Boyd or other people or a single here and there who knows like especially with nowadays like a lot of people yeah. don't check for albums I still love albums and I love the fact that like even with this album I just put out like I love that I can put something that's gonna fit on the radio I love something that might make you cry I love that there's something there that your 70 year old grandmother might be able to relate to but when you do singles it's hard to do that you pretty much okay well here's the one song. Let's see what it can do, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't like to ever. I don't want to be that guy that retires and then comes back, and you know what I mean. I'm not. I don't want to be that guy. So. Yeah, well, what I was gonna say, cause, cause, since you've never been that guy who just releases a single or a mixtape, you've always been the full album length. You know, mm-hmm. go away for a few years. But when you we look at today's music environment, like you know, extreme example, Future released seven mixtapes or projects in the past nine months. Uh, uh, and artists, I mean, uh, fans are used to like, you know, like, you know, saying an saying artists will rather than taking a, a sixteen track album, they'll might divide it into EPs, yeah, one yeah. a quarter or like that. Like, we so were do that, too. that was yeah. a plan at one point. Was yeah. like we had our fifteen tracks, sixteen tracks, mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, let's release in three different albums, five songs each, two videos each thing. And then the reason we did it, and I was good either way. Like this is more of a marketing thing. Like I make my record, I'm like, here's my album. There's no extra songs. This is it. 
how do you think we should put this out? What's the best way? And this was an idea my manager had. So we were like, okay, that could be cool. You know, we stretch it out longer because, you know, albums last a few months and then people are onto something else. So we're like, you know, we drop an EP here, drop another one four months later, another one four months later. We stretch it out for the whole year type thing. But then it didn't make sense press-wise because press will only cover that first release. You know what I mean? You can't go back to press every three months and be like, hey, check it out. Here's the next part of it. So it was just, it didn't make sense that way. But like I said, I just make the record and then let the marketing people kind of figure out clever ways to put it out because like you said it's a different game nowadays mm -hmm. but we went back to the old school way we just put the full record out and yeah. I, i'm still good with it you know what yeah. i mean i like to have it all together and so i'm kind of happy the way it went definitely i am too like it's um it's something but you know being able to put something in for at least 60 minutes or whatever and being able to like listen to something that from beginning to end that, totally. that's that's let it roll and not yeah. worry about like okay the songs are over four songs that's it yeah, yeah. no I, I feel you i'm the same way yeah so uh i know that uh you've you know done shows with snoop a couple times before mm -hmm. you've collaborated with him on this album the first question is just this is a yes or no question before this time that you met up when you collaborated collaborated with Snoop Dogg did you smoke a joint before this feature that you did with it did you ever smoke like share blunts or anything like that with Snoop Snoop Dogg no no no, okay. no, no. so okay so obviously this time you did you he was in ha uh, Nova Scotia you went to this this hotel room you set up a studio mm -hmm. so like you must have been thinking about that moment all right like am I bringing like six joints myself or is it gonna be a special type of strange that I bring or am I, sno am I smoking his stuff take me guy. to that moment yeah, though yeah, yeah. when he's passed that or you passed that what ha what happened we uh <laughs> I'll tell you how it all went down because it got a little funny at times okay Let's come up show. We got to keep it real here. Yeah, so. definitely. Uh, we rolled up into Truro with my RV. Like, I, go, I bought an RV, like, take my family camping shit years ago, but we also just take it out with the boys. Like, if we're going somewhere, we bring that, crash, wherever the hell we're crashing. Mm -hmm. So we knew we were going to Truro, so we loaded up. Everybody came. Kid, my brother, the wife was there. David Miles came, and then this guy who brought his studio. And uh, so we were partying the whole night. They told us, hey, come up for, like, 9 o'clock. We'll set up the studio. Cool. Pulled in Truro at, like, 9 we're all smoking and drinking anyway because it's Friday night, whatever. And then we get a call, like, okay, Snoop ain't going to be ready at 1130. Still working on his verse and stuff because he was in his room. He just got done shooting all day. So, like, cool, let him take his time. And then they call us up, like, okay, here's the room. Bring the studio. Brought the studio in. Snoop came, like, 20 minutes later. So, what's up, class? What's up? Cool. Brought the track up. Started playing it. Super chill. Almost just really business-like. Mm -hmm. Like, too business-like for me. I was almost still like, okay, this isn't kind of what I was picturing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember his, he had two bodyguards there, and one bodyguard kept taking pictures while Snoop was like just going over his voice, his verse, like roughly recording it. Mm -hmm. And I remember Snoop getting mad at him because he's like, man, the fucking thing is recording in the microphone. And it was like an old school camera, that, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, okay, good, because I was ready to, like, I was kind of like, what the yeah. fuck is this guy doing? Like, this is yeah. in the track. Yeah. And then the, the bodyguard at one point tried to kick me out, I remember. Kick you out? Me, it was just me and Kid in there, you know, Kid. Okay. Snoop, his two bodyguards, me and Kid, studio engineer. Kid is uh, Jordan Croucher's brother, okay, right? Uh, yeah, no, his real brother. They oh. grew up together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're sitting in there, and then his bodyguards actually like, man, you guys better go, out, man. It's getting too loud in here. So I'm like, the fuck, you talking about this? Is my track. I, like, I'm the producer of the track. By this time, you know, Kid, like, he's not feeling that. So he's like, the fuck, you talking about? We're not fucking going nowhere. And then Snoop kind of calmed it down, like, hey, this is cool. What's going on? Snoop's like, Wall was his manager or his bodyguards. Like, Wall, it's cool, man. It's chill. From that point on, Snoop pulled up weed. Hey, class, you want to smoke this? And it was cool as fuck. You know what I mean? For a one minute, though. So I don't know if it was just something that 
because Snoop works with so many people, he probably doesn't know that good. Yeah. Like, if it's just, this is the game plan, this is how we do it. I go to the studio, you kind of kick them out. If it's not cool, if, it, if I'm not feeling them, I don't like them, mm -hmm. let them go out, we'll do the track. Mm -hmm. But Snoop, you know, settled down his bodyguards, and from that point, you know, he pulled out his six-pack of, like, pre-rolled, perfect blunts that his manager rolls for him, lights it, pass it around, and, and it was chill from that point on, you know what I mean? He was cool, he... He, he, he asked me, like, you know what I want you to do? I was like, man, just do your ad-lib things. And he did this little speech at the end of the song and shit. So super cool. We started a little weird at first, but by the end of it, it was, yeah, smoking a blunt with Snoop. So that's, that's my bucket list shit. Definitely. And, and class and DJ Premier, you've always wanted to say that. that yeah. That's also I, another. That's a whole different angle. But like, for, you know, the producer, the, the kid growing up on Gangstar, like, that's, you know, that was Royce Five Nines manager that hooked me up. He's just like, yeah, I'll send it to Primo. And then one day, Primo just called me out of the blue. Like, weird number. Like, who the fuck is this? Hello? Hey, class, Primo. It's like, oh, shit. Okay, what's up, man? You know, try to play the cool. But he was cool, man. Sent down the track. He did some cuts. Sent him back. And that, and that was it, man. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, Filthy definitely taking it to the boom bap sound. And I was reading the YouTube comments, and you replied to the fan who said this. So, the, the, the fan is like, you know, um, he was talking about there's a bit too much singing on the hooks in the album. This is what I like. And you said, I like melody. If I had a voice, I'd try to sing more. But I always got to bring substance in the rhymes. And I want to connect this to how music is sounding, rap is sounding today, where, like, every song. I think I tweeted, like, maybe a couple of days later. It's like, can you name me a new rapper who came out in, like, the last two, two years that doesn't put melody in their verses? You know what I mean? Like, and, and that was just for me, because I'm like, man, who's that new guy that, like, comes over just spitting and doesn't all of a sudden cut into, like, singing, you know what I mean? Nothing wrong with it, but I just wonder. And a lot of people tw tweeted me back some good stuff, and I was like, yeah, fuck, you're right, Joey Badass, somebody that does. You know, there's a few guys. So. But, yeah, no, that's me, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of music. Like, I think, you know, for me, like, being a producer of music for, like, 15, 20 years, if I was still doing the same shit, I would be losing my mind. Like, I constantly want to just... You know, keep that substance of the base where I came from, but always try new things, whether it's melody, whether it's clever topics, whether it's, you know, bringing somebody in with a great voice that can do something that I know I can't. But as a producer, I know I can get them to where I want to sound and shit like that. So, you know, it is what it is. I've kind of got over that stuff years ago of like, oh, man, you ain't keeping them real. You got singers. Yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, in the same song, you say, it came in a game when white rappers weren't a cliche, but man, oh, man, that sure has changed these days. Mm. T tell me how you're feeling about what does what do you mean by that line? I think I just think there's a lot of white rappers that come out now that are just whatever, like, you know, but they get put on, they get noticed and they get a fan. Base. And I think some of them even come out like like a mad TV skit, like someone like Slim Jesus or whatever, like comes out talking all this shit and then he admits it like, no, I don't do this. This just sounds dope. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Like, you know, taking, like, even when these guys, you know, from Chicago, like, um, what's his name? Chief Keith. Chief, Chief. You know, I mean, he's talking this stuff. Some people might say, think it sounds like he's glorifying, but he's still talking about lifestyle that these guys live, go through. And it's not like, oh, this is dope. I'm getting shot at. I'm fucking selling drugs because I got no way to make money. Like, this is a lifestyle. And then to see, you know, a kid like that come out and say it. And then getting, like, millions of hits because people are like, look at this white kid. Oh, this killer. And, like, you know, first you look at it like, okay, everybody's laughing. It's a joke. But then you see some people who are actually into it. You see this kid's going on tour. And people are coming into his shows. And it's like, that just blows my mind that that can even happen. So that's kind of what that line was based around, was just white rappers who were kind of making a joke of it mm -hmm. and just getting put on because people think it's funny and enjoyable to watch. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so you you know you did a you were on Q recently with Chad and you're talking about the the Atlantic deal and mm. it's on the on the album the track is called Heavy Head when you say thought I was a pop act because I had a one pop track that popped off thought they did their homework guess not so what do you you know you had a worldwide deal mm. with Atlantic you released a song called Higher with B.O.B. that I had no, a no, it wasn't even that song that wasn't part of it no, no, no. okay that they did that deal when Indonesia blew up here. Sold like oh. half a million copies. Like we want to sign you, and I had three different labels from the states. Like we want to sign you, all okay. off that one song. Oh really? Strictly off that one song. Okay. Uh, who was Columbia was like showing. They found out to print the song, but the guy did his homework and went back and knew all the old shit. He called me up like, and I was like, you know, this guy. But then we felt really good with uh, Warner Atlantic because they just had a lot of success lately. We knew some people on the team, but yeah, it was all based over that one song. And when that didn't blow, it was kind of like okay. You know, not even before it didn't blow, but even before that, the way they were trying to push in it, it was like strictly pop world. And that's the whole trying to put me as a pop act. So I had one pop track that popped off. Mm-hmm. Like they wanted me to work with Cody Simpson. Mm-hmm. They sent me songs to do a simple plan. And it's like, yeah, this isn't really what I'm trying to do. And then they tried to, it's exactly what I say in the verse. You're like, oh, you got to do this shit if you want the team to support you and blah, 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 blah. And that was kind of the experience there. And, you know, it is what it is, but I'm just kind of speaking on how it went down. Mm-hmm. kind of came and went they got me some good like movie placements and stuff and you know at the end of the day maybe it worked out for better because i didn't have to go spend six months touring the states and trying to blow something up and you know grind out there i've been hanging at home working on this record so mm-hmm. you know it might have worked for the better it might have worked for the worse maybe i should have went with another label but it went the way it is and mm-hmm. yeah what it is so uh, now that we have a few success stories you know Beldy signing the Rock Nation Tory Lanez Endoscope mm. Jazz Cardia actually did a show a week two weeks ago right here at this venue sold yeah, it out yeah. Phoenix a thousand yeah, yeah. people came through uh, so what I noticed as a person who did a radio show for seven to eight years I feel like uh, Canadian fans music hip-hop fans they're more open now when they when they hear an artist coming out of Canada or Toronto mm. to listen with an open mind because mm-hmm. I was bumping Canadian hip-hop on my show seven, eight years ago. People yeah. weren't trying to listen to that. Do you see it having, uh, with these success stories, do you see it having any type of positive effect right now on our industry or stuff still the same? Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. like you said, like you see Tory Lanez, like even, yeah. like I met him five, six years ago at this Echo photo shoot. Never knew the kid, never knew anything and all of a sudden like, I was in LA five months ago shooting No Pressure and everybody down there was like, oh, Canada? Oh, you know that kid? And I figured, Drake, okay, The weekend, Tory Lanez. I was like, oh shit, okay. Mm-hmm. And I guess his record down there is getting a lot of play. You see some of his blogs, he's over killing it in like France and it's awesome, man. Just to see Canadian artists go out there and do, do what they're doing and not even worrying so much about Canada, but just like get up, go. Mm-hmm. And now they can come back and do Canada if they want, but know they got the rest of the world too so it's it's cool to have the the rest of the world comfortable now to be like oh i'm gonna check out some canadian yeah. shit yeah. so people's ears a little bit perked up i think so like do you even think like this whole nba thing it would be here this weekend if drake wasn't associated with raptors like we're not probably not yesterday? probably not yeah. like that's fucked up like that's like think about how much he's changing that like that's crazy it's canadian hip-hop <laughs> It's a beautiful thing. And we're going to take it back, a throwback now. This is Martin Baum, M-Baum. He's he's interviewed you a few times, and he always has these, like, gems. And he wanted to ask, what can you tell people about Shit Records? Oh, Shit Records. It was my first record Oh, Shit Records. (laughs) It was like we were 15, you know what I mean? Like, we need a record label. Oh, Shit Records. Yeah. It's like, it was, uh, yeah, we pressed up one cassette. One cassette. One cassette. Like, one cassette 50 times, but, like, just one release is what I mean, yeah. What, what was that on that? Like, what was the cassette? 
It was my second album. First or second album. We didn't come up with the Half-Life Records name until I think the third or fourth album. So yeah, like my first one, two or three of them were on Oh Shit Records. <laughs> oh Shit Records. That's pretty creative. Yeah. And one more from him. Uh, what can you tell people about the Cult of Jim? That's even before Oh Shit Records. That was, that was the, that's what we were called like when we were 15. It was me and my three boys that rapped like school dances, a variety show. And Jim was the drug dealer at Enfield. I didn't even know this. Like, I didn't smoke weed when I was 15. So, But th- it was, like, just the joke. Like, ah, oh, you got to go see Jim. So one of the guys in the group was like, ah, fuck, we'll call ourselves the cult of Jim. And then turned, like, the Celtic Rebels when the Host of Pain era, the Irish shit. And, yeah, we started biting that a bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Kids growing up. Yeah, man. Uh, so class man you know in that, an album you talk, you're talking about various things you know good people like bad things happening to good people and mm. then and uh i want to know like with all stuff that's going on in social media like what would, what continues to motivate you continues to inspire you uh, as a father as an artist um i guess like in life my kids you know what i mean definitely um in music i think i'm inspired by what I've already done, and it just that I like to do it. Like people always ask me, like, what keeps you going in the studio? Like, why do you go back to the studio? It's like, it's just I like it. Like I like to go turn on the drum machine, cut up some drums, make a beat, get a groove, and be like, okay, you know, call my boy over, bring the bass over, smoke something, like work on a bass line. Like it's just a very social thing for me as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's just kind of what we do. Like even when we're hanging out Friday night, it's like if we're not going to a show or we're not going to like someone's party or something so i'll still call the guys hey it's friday want to have some drinks and they know what we're doing we're going over and we're going to hang out in the studio and it's just kind of what we do so i don't know i never needed to be inspired to make music i just enjoy doing it mm-hmm. and it's basically this is probably extending what you know the album is grateful great and full so you're grateful and you're trying to accomplish greatness yeah. which is a lifelong journey um I guess, is there any last words that you want to say to the people and the listeners of the Come Up show and everybody else listening to this podcast? Um, make sure you eat breakfast. It's one of the most important <laughs> meals of the day. Um, do, you, do you eat breakfast every day? I try to. Okay. I've been trying to eat it more, man. Someone just told me the other day, it's like you're supposed to eat more in the morning and less at night. I'm totally backwards. I eat nothing in the morning. I eat a crappy lunch. And then from like 5 till 11, I eat. So I'm trying to eat healthier. You do the I, same. I, I think I heard something like like eat a king, eat like a king for breakfast, eat like a prince for lunch, and then eat like a peasant for dinner or some shit like that. that, That's the final word right there. Thank you very much, man. Excited, brother. Congratulations on the 15th album. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the homie Classified. And one of the things that we talked about in this interview and the Classified, you know, posed that question to his Twitter followers. He said, name me an artist in the past two years that doesn't sing or use melody in their music. I would like to pose that question to you in terms of what do you think of majority of artists nowadays all singing uh, singing and using melody in their music? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Do you think it makes the music better? Please, let's carry this conversation over on our Twitter at The Come Up Show. Thank you for listening today. If you haven't already, please join us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio. This is your boy Chetto, and I'll see you next Wednesday. Peace.